Welcome to Just Between Us, a podcast powered by the Corey Johnson Program for Post-Traumatic Healing in Boston. Every week, we focus on ways to heal from the devastating impact of collective trauma on our world. My name is Reverend Liz Walker. My name is Judell Cummins. And today, we welcome Imari Jeffries, the Executive Director of King Boston, a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a memorial and programs that honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King and their time and work together in Boston. Imari, welcome. Again, we are so, we've been talking before we started how thrilled we are that you are here. The memorial called the Embrace, I love that name, and the programs for the Center of Economic uh, for Economic Justice are both part of your vision to create Dr. King's beloved community. First of all, when is this all planned to be up and running in the city? Well, I'm, I, w- I wanna thank you. I'm so excited to be here this morning. I solely appreciate being here and, and, and allowing me to speak with you today about our really, really exciting work. It is a, a sculpture to honor Dr. and Mrs. King. It is a plaza to honor Boston heroes of civil rights and social movements, and it is in America's oldest park. And so it's complemented by the Center for Economic Justice, which will be here in Roxbury. And so the idea of connecting Roxbury 02119 uh, to downtown, to the common uh, America's oldest park, the Parkman Bandstand, the original route of Dr. King and Mrs. King's 1965 Freedom Rally, which started in Roxbury and ended, ended downtown. And so excited to be be building this with with you in the city and so we imagine that we'll break ground in 2022 it will be completed in january of 2023 uh, the center is probably a longer process you know we are envisioning at least 35,000 square feet uh, a, a campus that includes a museum a theater a small um, micro business center and then a community gathering space and so really conceptualizing a new downtown and public square sounds exciting before we want want to move on i do want to remind probably the the two people who don't know because i think everybody now knows that the kings actually met in boston when both were right. students fell in love here yes and began the work that changed the world, correct? That's right. And you know, Boston Boston is one of uh, our country's great college towns. And so the Kings, like, like other students, and currently there's about 375,000 students every year in the Commonwealth. So the Kings, like other students, came here in the 50s to attend college. And so Dr. King was a doctoral student. He was a young doc, doc student. Uh, and Mrs. King was at New England Conservatory. And so she, she was a singer. And so they met here uh, through through uh, mutual friends at church, fell in love, and, and that's where the story began. Wow, beautiful. Well, as you know, this podcast is all about healing. There is a lot of historical and systemic trauma in the city. So how do you see King Boston accomplishing an atmosphere of healing? Yeah, that you know, that's a, a important question. One of the things that King Boston has adopted immediately is the well-being blueprint. And so it starts with well-being. Racial healing starts with well-being. And so you can't consider people's basic needs around being mentally safe, physically safe, emotionally safe. Then, then we can't do the work. And so uh, well-being is the cornerstone uh, of our work around culture change. You know, the embrace is a monument. Monuments are about culture. And so King Boston is in the culture change work. And so uh, it's, it's centered in, in our practice of anti-racism. It's centered in our practice of policy change. 
Mm. Now, when we talk about the monument, the memorial, that's 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 one thing. But the program, uh, the programs that might end up being developed. Tell me a little bit about that work. What's this center going to focus on? One of the things that people people don't know um, is that you know Boston's. 400th birthday is in 2030 and so the 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 benchmarks of 2020 the beginning of the pandemic uh, is a framing for us to think about how do we take the next decade and transform 400 plus years of racism 400 plus years of uh, race related trauma 400 plus years of economic injustice and transform Boston over the next 10 years. And so our, our programs, our campaigns are centered on, on those, uh, on this, this timeline. And so there's three ways in which we're thinking about how, how do you transform a city? Uh, the first way you transform a city is through culture. And so we're starting with building the embrace. We're building a statue for Dr. and Mrs. King in America's oldest park. And so what does those values say for those same children, for those same residents and citizens of the city? And so it's about culture building. And so one of the, the, the programs, our campaigns is centered around how do we change, a, change the culture of our city to be one that's more inclusive, that's more anti-racist, uh, that transforms people in, out of a zero-sum game. The other is information, data, and policy. Uh, there are a lot of research institutes uh, in our city. We have a lot of great scholars. How do we translate that academic language and make it accessible to communities? And so information, storytelling, um, data, research is a part of our work. And then the last, the last bucket is community. We have to realize that we're all connected in, in, in this giant garment of destiny. Mm. Uh, there's a big tent in which we all belong. And so King Boston must, uh, must create a tent where everyone is welcomed. Uh, it must create a tent in which everyone feels safe. Uh, and that, that takes real work of healing and, and reconciliation and justice and so those are the three levers we feel like if we push on those three levers mm -hmm. over the next decade we'll, we'll see a, a measurable change in our city and our region Absolutely. Mm -hmm. wow on this podcast we get a bit personal uh, with our guest so what was your experience like when you first came here you know as someone who's not from boston mm -hmm. originally I, I feel like I, i've had an advantage of of um I, i'm gonna say an uh, insider outsider view and so I came here when I was 18 um, because I was stationed in the military at Fort Devens, which is about 45 minutes outside mm -hmm. of the city. And I started going to college at UMass Boston. And so UMass Boston it, you know, is not the school that it was 20, 30 years ago. It, was, it, it is mostly, and it was a commuter school, and it was made up of young black and brown people who came from Boston. And so most of my friends, my introduction to Boston as an 18 year old were young black and brown people who are from Boston. And so, and because the way that the college was set up when we went to college parties in quotes, they were really home parties. Mm. Uh, you know, I went to people's churches, I went to cookouts. So my introduction to Boston was through uh, and by Bostonians. And so that was how I learned Boston from people from Boston, because those were my first friends and are, and are, are, are my long-term friends. And so I had a different view of Boston because my, my introduction was in streets that I think folks who, who come here as workers or college students don't get to have. And so it felt welcoming to me. It felt like home. It felt like community. But I know that that's a unique experience that not everyone, everyone gets. 
Counselor Tito Jackson says of the 375 students who come to the Commonwealth, a lot of times their first introduction to Boston is a parking ticket on their car. That's their welcome to Boston <laughs> true. Um, flyer. And so I think we, we have to change that, especially for uh, black and brown um, visitors who, who are thinking about making Boston their long-term home. And so I think it, it's important for um, Boston to be a place for people who are from here and for folks who are relocating as, as uh, um, implants. I love the fact that you have these two very different images of the city. How does that fit in your own personal uh, background here with this embrace? I don't know if a lot of people know. I'm, all, I'm gonna speak like people don't know a, a, enough about our project. And uh, I, the embrace idea is just on so many levels so good. It speaks to how you got here, really, because you were embraced into community. Tell us a little bit more about the embrace. Yeah, the the embrace. Uh, Hank Willis Thomas, and many might know Hank Willis Thomas as the the um, the artist, as nationally known artist who who did much of the work of the EJI, the museum down in Alabama, with um, the Equal Justice Institute and Brian Stevenson. So he he was the artist. He is the artist who. The embrace is inspired by and so the embrace which which looks like arms hugging it was inspired by a photograph of dr and mrs king and it was the moment that dr king um, discovered that he had won the nobel prize and so the fifty four thousand dollars which in 2021 dollars is about half a million dollars dr king gave every cent of that away to civil rights movements uh, to civil rights organizations so he gave away a fortune and so the inspiration is a, the photograph of Dr. and Mrs. King hugging. Uh, he found out he won. He hugged uh, Mrs. King. And Hank talks about the, the, the weight of the picture. Um, it's uh, pure joy on the faces of both of them. And if you look at the picture, Mrs. King's arms are underneath Dr. King, uh, almost as if she is holding him up. And so this, this real power of connectivity, the power of embrace, uh, the experience of pure joy, the understanding that black women are holding us up. And so that's the power of uh, the embrace uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and really for all of us to, to think about everyone who is holding us up uh, in this moment of being locked away and sheltering in place and shutdowns. Most of us have realized the most important thing we want to do is be safe take care of our families and, and, and hug our friends and loved ones. And then to have this monument in America's oldest park, right? To, to have it be um, unapologetically the new symbol of Boston. And so that, that's powerful. It is me. powerful. Judell, I'm gonna throw this at oh, you. No. And I didn't tell you I was gonna ask you, but what did you think when you first heard about the notion of embrace? Because in these times, everything's so radical the other way. I mean, mm -hmm. to talk about love sounds old school and old fashioned. Does that, did that hit you that way as a, as a young person? Or do you think this is exactly as Amari said, what we need? To Amari's point, I think it's exactly what we need, especially during this pandemic. Wanting to embrace someone has never been more crucial than, you know, than now. Trauma disconnects us from even being able to do that, to embrace somebody, to accept somebody mm. new into your life. That's and right. so I, I just think, I think it's timely and I think it's fitting for the time that we're in and where we're hoping to go. I, I am so glad to hear that from mm -hmm. you, both of you, since you both are young people, because I've heard this other voice that's so angry 
uh, which I would call a, a voice of trauma. Do you think that's going to be a hard sell out in the world, you Valerie know, Marl? Yeah, you know, I, 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 really, I really don't. I really don't. And, you know, one of the, one of the bodies of, of our work for the Center of Economic Justice is reparations. And so we've adopted uh, William Doherty, who, who's one of the premier scholars on reparations, his framework. And so reparations is, is called an ARC framework. And so ARC is acknowledgement, redress, and closure. And so in this moment where we're talking about trauma, um, acknowledgement, acknowledging what happened, what went wrong, how people feel about um, their condition, um, redressing, making what was wrong right, uh, and then closure, right? Like there has to be closure to these things. And so this reparations approach is both monetary, it's economic, but it's also a way in which we want to do business with each other. And so how post-COVID, how do we take a reparations approach, this ARC approach, right? Acknowledgement, redress, and closure. There has to be a way for you to move forward. It doesn't mean that you forget. It doesn't mean that you bury things, but it has to mean, there has to be a place uh, for, for these things to, to sit in your life so that they don't hold you, hold you back. And so that's part, of, that's part of the work. That's part of the healing right, work. Right, And it sounds like you are optimistic about the future with this proposal and, and the King uh, Boston project? I, I am. I think Boston probably is one of the few cities in the country uh, that has the best chance of emerging post-pandemic anti-racist and inclusive. And we are in the middle of this incredible renaissance, this third reconstruction um, from our political leaders. I, I can see, you know, in 2030, Boston being that place that, that we aspire to be. Uh, that that we hold in in our hearts. Uh, that's that's absolutely wonderful. So you've given me optimism. Thank you very <laughs> Same, much, Imari. Really, thank you so much for joining us. For all of you who are listening, our goal here is to continue to have these conversations on trauma and healing, and we hope you will continue to join us. If you want to learn more about Can We Talk and the Corey Johnson Program, visit our website at RPC Social Impact ctr.org that's rpc social impact ctr.org again thank you amari judell everybody be well